Welcome back to the Dewhawk Dozen podcast. My name is Neil Bingham. And I'm Rachel Mosier. And this is our monthly podcast dedicated to our graduates of the last decade. 12 months with 12 great Dewhawks, countless stories to tell. Today's guest is 2017 grad Peter P.J. Fricano. Let's do this. Last month, we had a chance to talk with Kelly Klein, and we are really excited to have PJ as our guest this month. PJ, your nominator believe that you are truly an ethical decision maker, and the Young Alumni Advisory Board has agreed because of all you've done during your time at Loris and beyond. Your nominator saw firsthand how modest you were as, an, as you excelled in the classroom and worked towards your goal of going to Notre Dame Law School. With your work with the U.S. Navy JAG Corps, everything you do is centered on ethical decision-making, and even five years out of Loris, you still live the pro deo et patria motto daily. We just want to kick things off. We can keep ta- talking about you uh, and hyping you up quite a bit, but we want to hear from you. Um, tell us a little bit about what you've been up to since graduating. Yeah, so um, the, I mean, the summer after I was a bartender, so uh, that, that was kind of fun, but then I uh, went to law school in the fall and I was three years long. So I, from 2017, fall of 2017 to the spring semester of 2020, um, I was, I was in law school. And then the summer after that, I took the bar exam. Uh, I mean, that's its own battle, but, um, uh, about a month after I finished the bar, then I went to officer development school in Newport, Rhode Island. It's basically uh, an abbreviated version of Navy officer boot camp, and then ten weeks. So, so that officer development school is five weeks, and then for ten weeks after that, I went to Naval Justice School, which is uh, basically just a, a primer in military and maritime law for uh, Navy attorneys. Um, and then now I'm at uh, Naval Station Great Lakes working as a um, JAG officer. So it's really been a whirlwind, but uh, yeah, I finally kind of started to settle in here. Yeah, and a lot of time spent in the classroom too. Did you always kind of envision yourself spending that much time uh, pursuing education when you started your college career? Not really. Um, Growing up, I, I really didn't like school very much. I think I kind of found my groove in, in college as in, you know, as someone who's going to school. Um, I, I liked college a lot. And then law school is, is very interesting. It's, it's a little bit different. It's very, very difficult. Uh, a lot of hours studying. Um, so yeah, it's been an interesting journey through education from, you know, going from not liking it that much to really liking college. And then law school was hard, but very rewarding. And um, I'm, I'm glad to be done with my education though, at this point. I know early on in our Loris career, um, we knew that you wanted to end up at Notre Dame Law School. Um, how did it feel when you finally uh, received your acceptance letter and knew that you this is the next 
thing that you had to look forward to after Loris? Yeah, that was, that was really awesome. Um, uh, my family has grown up, you know, around the university of Notre Dame, uh, being fans of the school and a lot its football team. Um, I was the first person in, in my family to actually attend the school. So, uh, my family was really excited. I was really excited. Um, being able to realize that dream was, was really cool. So an experience that, uh, I, I will never forget that day. Yeah. So you finished law school and now you're a Lieutenant in the U S Navy JAG Corp. How has that experience been so far? And have you always seen yourself, um, getting into this side of the law, uh, this side of law, um, and doing this with your law degree? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it sounds pretty stupid, but I saw a few good men, which is a very popular old movie with Tom Cruise, like a very young Tom Cruise, where he is a, a Navy JAG officer. Um, and I thought that was like, that movie was really cool. I thought what he did in that movie was really cool. So ever since I saw that movie, I was in like middle school. I was like, Oh, I want to do that. Um, I never actually really thought that I would until I started applying to law school um, and, and realizing that I was kind of on that path already. I might as well just actually go forward with it and, and actually do that. Um, I really like the JAG Corps. It's, it's a little bit better of a work-life balance. We have to work out and we have to take care of ourselves. So there's, I mean, there's a premium on that in supporting the Navy's mission. It's a really rewarding experience for a lot of reasons, but it's also a really healthy one. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really happy I've, I've been able to do it. Um, going into law school, that is what I wanted to do. So getting accepted into that was also really great for me. Yeah. And if you don't have the hills of Dubuque to keep you in shape anymore, it doesn't hurt to have kind of a, an expected regiment there for you to keep you in yeah. shape. <laughs> or the athletic wellness center gym. Yeah. 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 Um, somewhere along your journey from, uh, golden Eagle to Duhok to Domer, you also interned um, with the House of Representatives um, in both Illinois and Indiana, all before graduating. How have some of those experiences helped prepare you for your current line of duty? Yeah, I guess I would just say like interning at the House, um, you know, it's a really patriotic experience getting to see Washington DC and how all of those systems work with one another. Um, that is really rewarding. And you, I mean, we also deal a lot of, a lot with constituents and bills and just seeing how all of those processes work together. Um, it's a pretty cool foundation for building your career and yes, any kind of military form. Yes. And then, yeah, I was a legal clerk after my 1L year. I clerked with the JAG Corps, um, actually in, in the exact same office and desk that I'm currently sitting in. Um, Home world. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was great just to see like how the JAG Corps itself operates, not only within the Navy, but with uh, the larger community 
as well and you know learning about the jack horror that i decided you know this really is right for me i want to pursue this and then yeah and then i after my 2l year i interned with a law firm in indiana and that was great as well uh, i was actually really considering doing that too um those kind of those jobs were competing with one another and i just decided to go the jag core route for a lot of different reasons but working in a law firm you learn a lot about the law you sharpen your legal research skills sharpen just a lot of the law related skills in general um, so i mean I, all those experiences made me i think a better service member that you know i didn't really plan it out that way but um yeah i think i became a better service member because of that as an attorney and as a naval officer and who would have thought it all started with tom cruise yeah, yeah. <laughs> and top gun twos coming out <laughs> no, perfect timing yeah <laughs> um so Another common trend outside of serving your country has been a strong Catholic tie throughout your education. You were a Waller Golden Eagle, a Dewhawk, and then you joined the Fighting Irish, all Catholic institutions. Did you always see yourself staying and continuing a Catholic education? Yeah, I think I think I did, um, and I'm really happy I did because. You know, all the things, the different things I've studied, we get to analyze the law or policy with religious concepts in mind as well. Um, and, you know, we get we get to discuss discuss those in class, whether people disagree or agree with them. Um, I really like that we're able through my educational journey, we've been able to I've been able to be in classrooms where religion was approached from an academic standpoint. And I think, um, I mean, there's a lot of different religious institutions throughout the country, not all of them Catholic. And so going to Catholic school, I mean, I analyzed all different types of faith backgrounds and how they interact with government systems and the law. And I think that was that, that is something that really contributes to a holistic analysis of the different things that, that I've done. Um, so, I, yeah. Okay. I, I don't know if I always saw that happening, but it did, and I'm, I'm glad that, I, that it did. I think I can relate to that as well, but I came from a public high school and coming in, uh, faith was a big thing with my family and coming into a Catholic college, I never really realized how big of a part it would play, even though it might have not been on the day to day, but looking back, it really helped create a strong foundation, kind of like we were saying. So thank you. Now, one thing outside of kind of all of your work life that I found very interesting, one thing for um, people who have been interviewed before know we do a diligent job of researching our Duhawk dozen, um, going through like, you know, LinkedIn, social media. Um, different things that had been written about them or podcasts they've been on. One thing that I found 
almost frustratingly impressive about you, PJ, uh-huh. is you have managed to stay almost completely off social media. There was like a 2016 article that you were interviewed in the TH about technology in the classroom. And that was about the extent of it. So if Rachel and I wouldn't have known you as students, we wouldn't have really like known kind of your journey. Um, in managing to keep that, to keep off social media, how have you found that staying off those apps like Facebook and Instagram has helped with your productivity and other aspects of your life? Yeah, I mean, I do think it's helped just because I, I think I just have less distractions, you know, just in my in my day to day life. Um, I mean, I had Facebook and Twitter and a lot of that stuff kind of up until like the past year or so. And not only am I not like looking at those apps, but I, I found myself being very frustrated when I would look at them. Um, just, just you know, the things you see in the news, it, it's not all rosy. And, um, you know, just, you know, people having opinions that I might disagree with and um, topics that are very serious or very mundane. Um, yeah, I would, I would just find myself getting frustrated. And I was also just comparing myself to a lot of people. And I don't, I don't really think that's healthy for, for anyone. Um, but I didn't find it especially helpful or healthy for me. Um, uh, because I, I think I can be a little bit competitive. sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's like almost become the brand standard that anything you do, you replicate on social media. So I think it's really cool and respectable. That you've been able to do that. Um, even just, you know, a few hours of a break seems nice and refreshing just to, you know, go outside, hear the birds chirp and whatnot. So I can imagine that it's, it's helped a little bit being able to stay off that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, there are some great aspects to social media, like staying connected with friends and, and seeing what everybody's up to. Uh, I do, I do miss that, but I, yeah, I think in the grand scheme of things, I'm, I'm probably better off for, for having gotten off of social media. Phone call and a letter works just as well. Yeah. Keep up yeah. that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, PJ. So uh, one question that we actually a series of 12 questions we didn't quite prepare you for, um, but we have a dozen questions for our do Hawk dozen where we ask our guests 12 rapid fire questions and you give us the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Where was your last vacation? Uh, Boston. Where was your first ever job? Ivy. On Locust Street. Two in a row started at Hy-Vee. Is your bed made right now? No. no. What is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, um, I can't remember the last time I sang karaoke. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably a good thing. Um, We can come back to it. Yeah, we might have to come back. (laughs) We'll skip. What movie or show do you quote the most? Uh, Seinfeld. What was the last TV series you binge watched? Uh, the Queen's Gambit. Are you a morning person or a night owl? I'm a night, night owl. What is your go-to lazy dinner? Uh, cereal. Who is one of your heroes? My dad. What age has been your favorite age so far? Mm, 21. Purple or gold? Gold. What is your favorite spot on the Loras College campus? Uh, probably, probably the pub. And backing up to number four, what is your go-to karaoke song? <laughs> um, I just yeah, my way, Frank Sinatra. I'll just, I'll just. Kind of, wow, uh, crooning. 
giving Classy. the people a show. It's like such a pretentious song. <laughs> it's, it's such it's a good thing. Yeah, it'll get everyone excited. So yeah, I think it's a great thing too. Yeah, get the whole place singing along with you. <laughs> okay, so uh, PJ, you said your favorite spot on campus is the pub, but tell us a little bit more about your Loris experience outside of the pub and why you decided to choose Loris. Um, so I, I was actually supposed to go to the university of Missouri, um, like a near full ride coming out of, out of high school. And then, um, that fell through on, on their end. I still don't like Mizzou because of it. Um, but I mean, I'm from Dubuque, so this was in like August. So I was kind of looking around and was like, should I just take a gap year or what should I do here? And then, so I just applied to Loris and went there and I just really liked it. Uh, I mean, I went to college with a number of my high school friends, but also met a lot of great people there and just really enjoyed kind of the, the small town, small campus feel of Loris. I think it was probably very good for me that I went to Loris and, instead of the University of, of Missouri. Um, just because of Loris is, like I said, it's small campus feel, like getting to know your professors or my professors and um, you know all of my other classmates well was really beneficial to me. Um, so you mentioned that you got to know a lot of people. Were there any key people that stuck out during your Loris experience that you can really attribute like they made an impact on my life? Yeah, doc, Dr. Augie, um, I mean, he was just a great college professor. I had so many great professors at Loris. I mean, Dr. Dar in political science, all of my history professors, uh, Dr. Salvatera is one that sticks out to me off, off the top of my head. Uh, Dr. Lorenz as well. Uh, I think a lot of them have retired actually since actually this year. Yeah. Dr. Lorenz and Dr. Augie both just retired. Okay. Yeah retired shortly after we graduated or if not the year we graduated um and uh like dr waldmeyer too i had him for just retired as well we um, oh yeah a lot of loris staples are retiring this year so it'll be interesting to see who comes in and how they're um or even how these people are professors that are uh, retiring how their legacy lives on yeah yeah. yeah, and Dr. Karen, I was, I was an international studies uh, minor too, and he is kind of like the professor, and or at least when I was there, he was like the big international studies professor, and he was great too. Um, so I mean, a lot of professors really helped me along the way, and, and still do. Yeah. Any alumni or any other Dewhawks that kind of stick out? Oh, well, I mean, you two, for sure. <laughs> okay, we'll pay you later. <laughs> um, I mostly just keep in touch with a lot of my uh, roommates from my junior and senior year. Um, so, And so with those faculty members that you were mentioning earlier, um, it seemed like they must have had a pretty profound impact because your, your line of work is pretty, has followed a pretty linear trajectory over the, the past few years. What were some of the classes that you remember being really impactful through your time at Loris, even if you don't remember like the title and the number, like some of the, the lessons that you learned in those uh, with those different professors of yours? Uh, DMOC was the class 
that, I mean, there's a lot of critical thinking involved. And then, I mean, the public speaking is really beneficial to someone in my line of work as, as an attorney. Um, I mean, I still get really nervous every time I have to speak in public, but DMOC did a did a lot of good for me on that end with just like the experience gained from that. And it's also like uh, combative might be a little bit too strong of a word, but it, like that is a competitive. It really was. I mean, <laughs> some of those classes got heated. I remember people yelling like she doesn't even know what she's doing. Like, <laughs> like they they really it brings out the um, best in everyone, I guess. Yeah. So like I don't really find myself to be naturally confrontational so I think like DMOC just understanding like where you know this is an academic environment or this is a competitive environment that's okay I think was helpful for me and then like I mean I really liked my history classes I took a class on uh, like Greek Greece and Rome like the classics uh, classical history uh, I took American foreign policy as a political science class so it was really eye-opening um that was that was a good class too so yeah I, I had a lot of really good classes at the bars was there any extracurriculars that you were involved in i remember you being a um, key member of do buddies um any other curricul- extracurriculars yeah yeah do buddies was the one that i was the most involved in i think um and i was in there's like an honors society like social, the honors, like social group. I was involved in, in that too, but not nearly as much as Do Buddies. I think Do Buddies was the, like the big one that I was involved in. One thing, uh, PJ, in addition to the people, places, and classes that you talked about, one thing that Rachel and I both thought of um, when we first realized that we were going to like schedule this interview and we thought about actually like not sure whether or not we should ask if you still have it, but we both vividly recalled the baby blue sport coat that you used to have. And we need to know, do you still have it? I do not. I loved that. <laughs> the coat. Like, really well, yeah. I like, liked the color. I wish I still had it, but I, <laughs> I left it at my house. Okay. Fair enough. We had to ask. Yeah. No idea what happened to it. <laughs> um, I know you do a great job of keeping up with your roommate Duhawks, which is um, we're all kind of transitioning into our next phase of life with marriages, people having kids. And um, have you, do you have any kind of advice for the people listening? Like how, how can we keep up with our Duhawk friends and what are, what are some easy ways to do so? Um, I think just like, for me, it's like group text messages or just like birthdays come around, like keeping someone's, cause I like, I don't have Facebook. So <laughs> I have to just like put their like birthday in my calendar on my phone. Um, so yeah, you gotta go the extra mile. You don't even get the yeah. benefit of the free reminder. <laughs> that's a, uh, yeah, that's like one of the major downfalls of not. Being- Mine is January 21st. <laughs> so just put it in your calendar. <laughs> We just, uh, Rachel and I had a meeting earlier today for uh, planning for launch and alors for this upcoming group of incoming first years. And as you look back on your time, um, your first days on campus, did you have any clue that you'd end up where you are now? No, <laughs> I, I really didn't. Um, yeah, like I, like I said, I wasn't really like an academically inclined 
middle school or high school or anything like that. I didn't think that I would enjoy college as much as I did um, or do as well in the classroom, which kind of, I mean, that mostly like propelled me to where I am today. Um, so no, I mean, yeah, the answer is no. I, I wouldn't think I would have been able to do it. Did you have any profound moments that stuck out to you then? Because I know that you've mentioned a few times now that Loris is where you really hit your stride. Um, any of those moments where you realized that Loris was the right fit and that you were on the right track at that point? Yeah, I think my first semester, um, my MOI professor, she was a great professor too, but the name escapes me. Um, she like kind of just pulled me aside after class and said like, you should talk more in class because like the assignments you're handing in are great. And like, I think you could contribute well. Um, so that, I think like that affirmation was really nice to hear just because, you know, it's nice to hear, but then also because like, I realized maybe I should give this academic thing more of a, of a try. Um, and yeah, after that, I think I really just hit my stride. That is like one of the more profound moments to me of like, oh, I can, I can do this. I can do this well. Gives a whole new meaning to the good old college try. Yeah. <laughs> so when we started talking earlier, um, before we started recording, we were mentioning that our five-year reunion is coming up, which is wild to think about. Mm -hmm. Um what do you think went by more quickly, your four years at Loris or the last five years that followed? Um, I think the last five years, but not in a good way. I was just like, because at Loris, I had time to just kind of, you know, go to class and look around and have a lot of fun with my friends and classmates. Um, whereas the last five years, it's really just been a whirlwind. I've kind of just been drinking from a fire hose and get to like look up every once in a while, realize where I'm actually at. Uh, I think my time at Loris was a lot slower in, in a good way, if that makes sense. You had to take more of it in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was interesting. I was talking to, I ran into three of our classmates, uh, Ali Coletta, Casey Wedlick, and Brian Herman this past weekend for commencement. And we were kind of talking about it too. I mean, you know, in college, you're spending every day with each other. So it's like, you know, you never miss a beat, but it's kind of cool to see that even though it's been, sometimes it's six months, sometimes it's a week between senior classmates. But I mean, with that right group of people, it's like, you didn't even miss a beat. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen them in quite a, I think since maybe even homecoming a little bit before. And it's like, we had just hung out the day before. So I, I think, you know, to your point, time's moving by quickly, but it's still cool to have some of those those really intricate mm -hmm. and cool connections with some people that um, I know that every time I see you back in town, you're with either another Wallert grad or a, or a Dewhawk. And it's it's cool to see those connections just not really miss the mark anytime you get to see those people. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. And it kind of like even surprises me, too. I'm like, oh, I didn't <laughs> think, uh, like these conversations would go as well or I'd be like having as much fun. But like, yeah, every time I come home. Um, yeah, I really do like, you know, the people around me, um, like we just seem to like pick up right where we left off and it's really nice. Two hawks are one of a kind. Yeah. More fuel to the fire <laughs> yes. to come back home coming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> awesome. PJ, thank you again so much for taking time out of your busy schedule um, and being on the show with, uh, with us today. Um, any last piece of advice for our, you know, we have 
some seniors who just graduated. We have students that are about to start, but we also have some young alum in the workforce that just are kind of trying to still figure it out as they go. Do you have any advice for that young cohort uh, of our alumni who are just looking for some sage wisdom from a young Duhawk? I, this is not my advice. Um, I actually just heard this pretty recently. Uh, I heard of this guy getting a job where he called a bunch of his mentors uh, asking them like, what should I do? How would you approach this, um, this new difficult job? And one of his mentors just said like, stop, hold on. Like I can like help you, but you're going to have to do this. And like, even if you approach this, how I would, you know, you might not be successful at it because this is how I would approach it. You have to do it how you would approach it. Um, you are going to be successful if you are acting as yourself, if you are finding the way, you know, I cannot um, give you any advice, which is like, is going to figure it out because you're going to have to figure it out for yourself. And like, you know, you can't be anybody else but yourself. So the only way you're going to figure it out, the only way you're going to be successful is to just do things the way you would do it. Um, be true to yourself. Yeah, I, I thought that was, I mean, it's like kind of corny, but I thought it was, it was pretty good advice because I, I find myself in that position too, where I'm calling or talking to people and asking them like, how do I do this? How would you do this? But I mean, there's only... We're only going to be successful if like we're using our own talents. If you put um, all of your eggs in one basket and you just take someone's advice and you run with it, if that's not your style or if that's just, if it's coming off as inauthentic, yeah, inauthentic um, it's just not going to work out for you. So I think that advice is just super important. And I think we all fall into the trap like, oh, is this, I, I'm a people pleaser. So uh, that's a great point. And it's like, you got to just trust your gut and go with it. Yeah. Thank you once again, PJ. And for our listeners at home, don't forget to mark your calendars for the 12th of every month, where we'll be introducing the newest member of our Duhawk Dozen. You can visit alumni.loris.edu slash Duhawk Dozen to learn more or nominate a Duhawk. So one final special thank you to Trent Hanselman, our producer. He's produced our uh, all of our episodes up until this point, And this is his last episode with us. So we wish him all the best of luck. Go Duhawks. Duhawks.